The reading this evening comes from Psalms chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. That's Psalms 42, verses 1 through 4. As As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me, all day long. Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Good evening. Glad you're here. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. Tonight, I want us to consider the consequences. Lori Anderson wrote to Reader's Digest, and she shared this. As a professional animal trainer, I was disturbed when my own dog developed a bad habit. Every time I hung my wash out on the clothesline, she would yank it down. Drastic action was called for. I put a white kitchen towel on the line and waited. Every time she pulled it off, I scolded her. After two weeks, the white washcloth... The white, the white towel was not touched. Then I hung out a large load of wash and left to do some errands. When I came home, my clean clothes were scattered all over the yard, and on the line was that white kitchen towel. I read that, and I thought, this, this kind of goes together. A teacher asked her class to state the difference between the words results and consequences. A bright girl said, results are what you expect, consequences are what you get. It's true, isn't it? Years ago, a young boy lived in the country. His family had used an outhouse, and the boy hated it. In the winter, it was cold, freezing. In the summer, it was hot. It was always smelly. It was near the creek, and he said, one of these days, I'm just going to push it in. Well, one day, it was rained a lot. The creek swelled up. He said, there's my chance, and he pushed that into the water. Later that night, the dad told him that he and the boy needed to go out to the woodshed, and the boy knew what that meant. Punishment was coming. So he asked why. And his dad said, because somebody pushed the outhouse into the creek. And I think that someone was you. Was it? He admitted that it was him. And so he thought a moment and says, Dad, do you remember when when George Washington's father asked him if he'd uh, chop down the cherry tree, he told the truth. Because he told the truth, he wasn't punished. And the father said, yes, that's true, but Washington's father wasn't in the cherry tree when he chopped it down. (laughs) Maybe we've never toppled an outhouse, but we've all been there where we're frustrated, we want to take things into our own hand, and we want to do what we want to do, self-will, for three different reasons. One, there's that urge that we want to do it, even if it's wrong. There's also a lack of goodness that we have. It affects others. But then third, our consequences have choices. And we don't always consider the consequences. For one, we don't always know what the consequences are. But even in the smaller issues of life, the things that we don't matter, like having that second piece of chocolate cake, there's still some long-term consequences to that. You know that phrase, moment on the lips, forever on the hips? I think that's directly related to that chocolate cake. 
And it's difficult for most of us to consider the long-term and the short-term consequences because, again, we don't know them all. And at the moment, they look inspiring, they look appealing, and we're just thinking for the moment. We can't always see all the way down the road. Satan is a master schemer, and he does so well to keep us from seeing all the consequences and to remind us of the here and now. We're going to be in Proverbs tonight, but I put just by way of introduction, I want us to look in Genesis 3, and these verses are going to be on the screen, so you can follow along with me here, because what I want you to see is how Satan appealed to Eve, and he encouraged her to sin by telling her the benefits, but downplaying the consequences, really denying them. Genesis 3, beginning verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than than the other than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but, the, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan is always doing his best to deny God's word. And I think another reason, and we see this with Satan, but another reason was open our own eyes and we don't always see immediate consequences. Somebody does something, they get away with it. Maybe even excel. Maybe they even get ahead. And it seems like God is long-suffering, giving them a chance. Ecclesiastes 8.11, look what the Bible says here. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, The hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. There's something about us. We want justice. And we want it swiftly. I think we're wired that way. The 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So there are consequences, but sometimes they're way down the road. Sometimes we don't even know, and it's, it's years away, maybe before we have to face them. Well, Proverbs reminds us to keep that in mind, to keep consequences in mind. Now, we may not think about that in overeating, but after a while it catches up with us. We may not think about that in other things, but after a while we see the effects of that. Uh, we can't erase them, we can't do away with them, but we can consider the damage, and especially the eternal uh, consequences. So what I want to do tonight is just look at a few, and I'm going to start in Proverbs chapter 5, so I encourage you to to grab your Bible and follow along with me, and and I'm going to notice eight of these. There's there's probably more, but I found eight uh, Proverbs specifically that talk about consequences, and I want to just share these and and read straight from Proverbs and see if we can learn. One of the ways you can study is to kind of do an overview and then pick out some themes, and that's what I want to do tonight with the book of Proverbs. So we're going to start with Proverbs 5, chapter 4. Proverbs 5, chapter 4. Maybe not the most positive place to start, but one of the first ones that comes up in the book of Proverbs is adultery. So consider the consequences of adultery. Proverbs 5, verse 4 says, But in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. If you've got your Bible there, look there in chapter 5. You've got all the way from chapter uh, verse 1 all the way through 6. It tells this corruption behind uh, the, the charms of this adulteress and, and, and the way that uh, the writer here describes her. Verse 3 says, Her words are smoother than oil. Her lips drip honey. 
What descriptive phrases. And then verses 4-6, through six, it turns from her charm to her corruption. It says, consider the appeal of this immorality of the consequences. Look at verse 5. Her feet go down to the death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of her life. Her paths are crooked, and she knows it not. And then in verse 4, it talks about that, that, that we read a moment ago, gall and two-edged sword. Two metaphors there. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV, it says gall. Some versions say wormwood. And, and the idea there is, is that which is, is bitterness. So the word, uh, both words work. And then, of course, that which is a double-edged sword, meaning this could be very heartful, uh, harmful. So you've got here with gall and a double-edged sword, meaning what's attractive at first becomes bitter and painful in the end. And then there in verse 11, at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent to consider the consequences. I didn't want to start with adultery because I think, boy, there's positive. But yet, Proverbs, first three out of nine chapters, deals with this openly, repetitively. And I think it's done so because the effects of sexual immorality are huge. The effect, not just the person who's partaking in that, even their whole family. And so I think the emphasis is for a good reason. Well, number two, the consequence of taking the wrong path. Couple, turn over a couple of chapters. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 12. I read this at the beginning. Proverbs 14, 12. The consequence of taking the wrong path. It reveals that things are not always as they seem. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. That word way there... It's not talking about a path necessarily. It's really talking about a course of life. Or we might use the word lifestyle or walk, that continued pattern, that consistent way of of living. And it takes place in all the ways he goes, the people he associates with, uh, the way he works, uh, the entertainment he pursues. His whole life, if you will, is summed up in that word. And there's a course of life which seems very appealing So, the man in his self-deception pursues it with vigor only to find out in the end it leads to death. And even that word death, does that mean dead as in end of life? Or does it mean bad as in bad things are coming? Unhappy experiences. Actually, it means both. It's used both ways. Do you remember Frank Sinatra was a popular singer for decades, a masterful entertainer. And one song that a lot of people, even if you're not a Frank Sinatra fan, you remember him singing, I did it my way. Do you remember that? I think of that when I study this word because I remember one time Willard Tate. um, Any of you remember Willard Tate? um, He coached basketball at Faulkner University for years, and then he went to Abilene, and he also was a, a great speaker and teacher, and we had him come and speak to the church one time. And he talked about this. Um... He sang that song. Uh, Willard saying that, you know, um, Frank Sinatra sang that song, I did it my way. I did it my way. And Willard Tate said with his southern drawl, he said, well, big deal, you did it wrong. And that's always stuck with me because there's a part of us where we take pride in, I did it my way. And that can be good in some arenas to be independent, to not always be a follower. But when it comes to the Lord... It gets you in trouble. You don't say those words to God. In fact, contrast that with our Savior's words to the Lord. Not my will, 
but your will be done. So regardless of how painful the surrender of our will may seem, obedience to God saves us. And it's good for us. Proverbs 14, 12 reminds us of that. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Trustful obedience. Remember these words? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So don't make the mistake of just doing it your way. Do it the Lord's way. Well, number three, the consequences of responding to discipline. How do you react to correction? How do you respond to discipline? We talked about this last Sunday night, but Proverbs 19, verse 20, relays the wisdom that results when you accept discipline. And you respond in a good way. Listen to the advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you'll be wise. Listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. Consequences can be a blessing or a struggle or a curse. And this concept of consequences here is used to encourage us to listen to instruction. To count the cost, as Jesus would say. To submit to God. And if we do, what he's saying here, the promise is you'll have wisdom to supply your tomorrows. In the end, it says there, um, reading for the NIV, it could mean in the end of life. But listen to how the English Standard Version renders this verse. Listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. So the idea is not that when you get to the end, it'll be good for you, although that's true. But if you listen now, from here on, you're going to benefit from that. Number four, the consequences of dishonest gain. Turn to Proverbs 20, verse 17. Proverbs 20, verse 17. It contrasts the short-range pleasure of sin with the long-range consequences. I like the way this is worded. Food gained by fraud tastes sweet to a man, but he ends up with a mouth full of gravel. That's a, that's a good way of describing it, isn't it? Food gained by fraud tastes sweet to a man, but he ends up with a mouth full of gravel. Tastes good at first. There's a benefit at first, but in the end, it's bad. It's really bad. Number five, the consequences of walking in integrity. The consequences of walking in integrity. Or maybe you might put another way of saying that, just righteousness. Proverbs 20, verse 7 the righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. That's the NIV. The English Standard Version says, A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. The results of a life well lived, a life following the Lord, is that you in turn bless your children. Because they've seen righteousness. They've seen somebody walk in integrity. They know how it's done. They're not learning it for the first time as they study Scripture. They've had that example right there under their own house. Number six, the consequences of easy gain. The consequences of easy gain. Proverbs 20, look at verse 21. It talks about hastily uh, received uh, inheritance or wealth that comes quick or maybe early on in life. An inheritance gained quickly 
at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. The English Standard Version says, an inheritance gained hurriedly at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. There's something to be said when you get paid for your hard work. Isn't that true? When you work hard and then you get the pay for it, it's appreciated. And we shouldn't rush that. To me, the best example of where that goes wrong is, is in Luke 15, the prodigal son. He's young and demanded his inheritance. Not waiting for his father to die. Not waiting for the right time. He demanded it when he was young. And it didn't go well for him. Number seven, the consequences of fearing the Lord. We've talked about that phrase several times because it's mentioned multiple times in Proverbs. But turn to Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. It discloses here the immediate pleasure of sin cannot be compared with the ultimate hope with fearing the Lord. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. I'm so glad this is here because we do observe the success of sinners, do we not? I mean, sometimes they're right there beside you, and you see them. They cheat, they cut a corner, and they don't get caught. Maybe they win the game. Maybe they get ahead. Maybe they, they, they win the sale. And it's so easy when we see that, and to see them flourish and do well to be tempted to do the same thing. But here we admonish to live in the fear of the Lord instead. A happy afterwards awaits. And he contrasts that with sinners who have no hope. They have no hope at all. But the wise and the godly do. Here again, the concept of consequences is used to encourage us to not just look at the here and now. Look down the road. Look at eternity. Look at the big picture. Just a side note, if you're taking notes, Proverbs 24, verses 13 and 15 is very similar. Same consequence mentioned there. And then number eight, the consequences of speaking hastily. And I think we all do this, speaking hastily. Proverbs 25, turn over to Proverbs 25, verses 7 and 8. It warns us about, the, about making a big deal, maybe especially here in the context with an issue with a neighbor, seeing something Quickly jump into a conclusion, talking about it. Proverbs 25, verse 7. What you've seen with your eyes, do not bring hastily to court, for what you will do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame. What's he saying here? What you've seen with your eyes, do not bring hastily to court, for what will you do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame? Great wisdom. And discipline is manifested when we take the time to step back and see the whole picture, not just our first impression. Look at both sides of the argument. Don't ju uh, jump to a rash judgment or conclusion based on what you saw, your visual, as he talks about here, or incomplete evidence. You ever watch one of those 2020 shows or Dateline, and as it opens up, it'll present one side of the case and about halfway through that hour, you're all guilty. You're just so ready, just so ready just to throw them in jail. But then about halfway through the show, then the other side of the case is presented, and then they're not so guilty, and by the time at the end, you're not sure what's going to happen. What do you know? What do you see? 
What is it that you are using to make your assessment? Don't be too quickly to judge. If you have a problem with a neighbor, obviously in the context here, you go to them, talk quietly, personally. Because think about it, and I think this is what the, the writer is saying here. This is your neighbor. This is your neighbor. You ever had a good friend who you talk about things, you say, I can never squeal on you because you know too much about me? You ever heard that? You ever had that kind of conversation? I think that's the context here. That you be, you be careful. Especially in a public setting. He mentions here in court. You say that. They've got, as we would say, dirt on you. And then you're going to be put to shame in front of everybody. Well, how do we close? Great wisdom enables us to act or not act based on something more than the immediate Something more than what is enticing. Something more than what's attractive or what everybody else is doing. But to look at the big picture. To consider the consequences. And to remain faithful. Look at Second Peter 2 verse 9. The Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. There's so many scriptures that encourages us to consider the consequences. The pleasure of sin is short-lived. The penalty of sin is long-lasting. Proverbs thirteen fifteen is right. Listen to these words. Good understanding wins favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. The way of the unfaithful is hard. When we stop and think about it, every proverb that we've read doesn't tell us anything we don't already know. He's just encouraging us to think, to consider the consequences. Remember that fellow we call the prodigal son in Luke 15. He wasn't doing that. And his story is, he had all that money, and he so quickly spent it in all the wrong kind of living. And the money was gone, and his friends were gone, and he was in misery. If you're wise... You'll consider the consequences. And you'll recognize Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. That is true from beginning to end. That wasn't a new revelation that Paul wrote. That's always been true and always will be true. So consider the consequences. I encourage you tonight to consider the consequences of saying yes to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, that means you say no to everyone else. When you say yes to Jesus, that means you submit to Him and you're not just doing what feels good at the moment or what brings you immediate relief or pleasure. When you say yes to Jesus, you submit to following Him. You confess that He is the Son of God. You allow Him to give you His Holy Spirit. He washes you clean in baptism. He makes you a new creation. The Bible says you're then added to His church. You are His child. What are the consequences of saying no? If you say no, you're denying Him. And if you deny Him, He tells us He'll deny us. It's really just a matter of each of us saying yes or no. We close by singing a song to encourage you to say yes, won't you come as we stand and sing?